Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. At the end of these 40 days of Lent, is your spiritual life going to be really better? Is there going to be any real change in your soul? You know, I, I want to encourage you. There's a great gospel reading we have this Sunday, uh, and, and it's awesome. I love this particular gospel reading at the start of Lent. It'll get into the real battle, the real battle we're all called to face this Lent. And it's a story you're familiar with because Lent usually begins with a gospel reading about Jesus going into the wilderness, praying and fasting for 40 days, right? We hear this in, in Matthew, we hear it in Luke, but this year, we get to hear Mark's account. And Mark, surprisingly, only gives us two verses, just two little verses. But there's something he's going to tell us, one little detail he gives us about Jesus's battle in the desert. And it's so helpful for us. Listen Listen to what Mark tells us. Mark says, Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days. He was tempted by Satan and he was with the wild beasts. Now, what is that about? He's with the zebra, the lion, the tiger. He's with the wild beast. What is that all about? And what difference does that make from my Lent life? Well, we're going to see that the wild beasts symbolize for us in scripture, uh, fallen human nature, our weaknesses, our sins, when our passions aren't ordered properly. And Jesus wants to come in and heal that. He wants to, he, he wants to tame the wild beast within us. But the beasts also in the Old Testament symbolize the, the, the wicked nations that were persecuting God's holy people and preventing them from worshiping God. And in our culture today, we need to be ready to face that persecution. As we're seeing more and more people being persecuted and canceled, will we practice that, that, that virtue of courage to prepare ourselves for the spiritual battles that we may be called to face in our own culture today? These are some of the topics we're going to look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree. And I want to give a warm welcome to any new listeners joining us for the first time. Thanks for checking out the show. And I'm going to give a shout out. I was just on a, a little trip down to Florida, beautiful, warm Florida. I'm back in Colorado and it's been like zero degrees here. Uh, but it was awesome being in beautiful Florida. And, but more than that, it was awesome being with some really great on fire Catholics in the Legatus groups in Tampa and in Orlando. So good to be with them. Uh, and also, I was able to go visit the focus team and the students up at the University of Florida. Florida this last week. It was a real great time getting to meet so many students, student leaders. I met so many young men and women that are on fire and wanting to share their faith with others. They're evangelizing others. We had a whole session. I was answering questions on how do you share your faith in the dorm and with friends and questions that come up on campus. And that, that was awesome. And we got to do a, a little session on theology of body in my book, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love. Thank you so much for hosting me. Uh, blessings for all of you. You are in my prayers. Well, I'm going to pray for all of you, all of my listeners here on the All Things Catholic podcast here at the start of Lent. And I want to talk about this theme of Jesus in Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, is said to be out in the desert praying for those 40 days, and he was with the wild beasts. Again, a strange line. What is this really all about? Well, as I mentioned, I think Lent is about taming the wild beasts inside of us the wild beasts in our souls you know in the in the old testament the beasts were associated the animals were associated with sin 
fallen human nature, our disordered passions was kind of like a symbol for those things. And you can see this right in the creation story. You start seeing the seeds of this kind of symbolism. Uh, if you think about how God made, you know, the sun, the moon, the stars in the creation story, right? And he creates the, the animals, the beasts that crawl on the ground. And then on the sixth day, he also makes man. So man and woman are made on the sixth day with the animals. So we share something in common with the animals. We're both made on the sixth day. We're both bodily creatures. We have sense. We're able to move, you know, so we're like, we're like the animals, but we're also different because as Genesis 1, 26 to 28 tells us that man and woman and only men and women are made in the image and likeness of God. So the animal, we're made on the sixth day with the animals, but we're, we're, we're greater than the animals. We're given this greater dignity that we're made in the image and likeness of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means a couple things. It, it, it means that we're like God. We're able to know and use reason. We, we share in God's knowing power and, and, and we're able to, we have free will. We're able to choose and to love and commit our will to serve other people and not just ourselves. So we have free will, we have rational powers. And most of all, in the Bible, the idea of being made in the image of someone describes sonship, being a son or a daughter. We're made for a special relationship with God. God isn't just a creator. He's our father. And so man and woman are, are made on the same day with the animals, but we're, we're unlike the animals. We're meant to rise above just our animal nature. In fact, we're given dominion over the beasts. That's the key thing I want us to think about here. We're given dominion over the beasts. You see, in the Bible, when you see the, this theme that men and women, when they're living according to their dignity as children of God, you'll often see the number seven associated with that. <laughs> you know, uh, seven's often described as the biblical number, the number of perfection. Why is that? Well, men and women are made on the sixth day with the animals, but we're made for the seventh day, the Sabbath day, the day of God's rest, when God takes delight in, in all of creation, but especially the crowning of his creation, man and woman, his sons and his daughters. Uh, and so, when, when man lives according to his dignity, you'll see the number seven often in the Bible, but then when man lives more like the animals, he just gives in to his animal-like passions and appetites, you'll often see the number six, the day on which he was made with the animals. So man's made on the sixth day with the animals, but he's made for the seventh day for relationship with God the Father to, to enter into God's rest. And so I'll just give one example where you see the number six, for example. You'll see it uh, right away in the next generation after Adam and Eve, Cain has a, a list of descendants. And the sixth generation, uh, the, man, the man that comes six generations after Cain is a man named Lamech who epitomizes the line of Cain. You know, Cain, if you remember the story, murders his brother Abel. He murders him out of envy. And then six generations after Cain, you have a man named Lamech. Lamech is someone who has multiple wives. He's full of violence and vengeance and murder. Uh, so this line is associated with the number six, the sixth generation, whereas this other family line of Adam through the son of Seth, uh, they have a man who comes in the seventh generation that epitomizes his, his line. And the, set, the line of Seth, they call on the name of the Lord. They worship God. And you see a man named Enoch. We get the most information about him. Enoch is righteous. He walks with God. And so you see a contrast between six and seven right away in the first generation of the Bible. But what we're seeing there is when you call on God's name, you worship God, you walk with God, you're righteous like Enoch, the number seven, you're, you're living what it means to be 
a human person made in the image and likeness of God, sharing in God's rest. But when you live a life of violence, you give in to sexual sin like polygamy, when you live a life of envy, a life of violence and vengeance and murder, then we're going to see the number six. That's what happens in Cain and Cain's line, exemplified by Lamech. And maybe here's the practical point for us for Lent here, is we want to live the number seven. We want to live and practice the number seven in our lives. In other words, we want to live our dignity. This is the season where we can tame the beast inside of us, the six inside of us, if you will. Uh, what are the fallen passions that we have? You know, man was called to rule over the animals. And we can see a certain symbolism there. We're meant to rule over our passions, over our appetites. Do we have certain inclinations towards sin that we need to work on and root out? I think this is so important. You know, in Lent, God wants you to give up not just chocolate. He doesn't want to give up just your favorite beer or your favorite show. I mean, that's really good when we do that. And that's an essential part of, of Lent, of course, that kind of physical mortification. It's really good. But the greatest sacrifice that God wants us to make is in our hearts. I was reading from St. Therese of Lisieux recently about this, that those are the greatest mortifications when we have to deny ourselves in our will. It's easy to give up our favorite chocolate cake. It's a lot harder to make a sacrifice and serve someone else, to deny my own comfort, deny my own interest, my own plan, it's a lot harder to make a sacrifice in the will. And I think that's what God is inviting us to do here this Lent. So I want to give you a couple ways we can live this out, this idea of taming the beast. Pride. Do you struggle with pride? Do you always think you're right? Do you tend not to really listen to the people around you, your spouse, your children, your, your coworkers? Do you have a hard time admitting that you're wrong? A hard time saying sorry? Maybe maybe this Lent, you could make it a point saying, I'm going to try to say sorry to somebody, you know, a couple times a week, <laughs> you know, maybe once a day. <laughs> if you don't have someone you can't say sorry to, <laughs> you know, I, prob I probably have multiple people I need to say sorry to for many things. I'm impatient with them or I, I misjudged them or I misunderstood them, right? right? That, that could be really good for me to grow in humility, to admit I'm wrong and have to tell other people I was wrong. To go to your children and say, I shouldn't have responded that way. I'm sorry I didn't think about that. I'm sorry. It's a beautiful way to curb our pride. You know, maybe we have pride in a different way. We like to control. You know, we like to assert our will. You know, maybe you always like to have your way. It's hard for you to let other people have their way when you have to decide what we're going to do. Maybe you just tell yourself in Lent, I'm going to really practice letting other people get their way. Not in things of sin or something of big consequence, but... You know, in smaller matters, really, you know, does it really matter which restaurant we go to or what movie we're going to watch tonight as a family or whatever? You know, I, I'm going to really practice denying my will. That is a lot harder than giving up that, that Guinness that you want to drink. <laughs> to deny your will in this deeper way. Give in to others' preferences. Do you, maybe do you like, you like to control other people, like to control situations. And so you're going to tell yourself, you know, I'm just going to give up that pride. I, I'm, I'm not in control. God is in control. So I'm not going to put pressure on everyone else to act a certain way or do what I want them to do or be as efficient as I want them to be or whatever. You know, uh, maybe I, I'm going to give up controlling situations. Maybe I, I need to give up trying to control God. Maybe that's what I'm going to go after this Lent, saying, God, 
I, I often want to just use you to accomplish my plans. <laughs> God, I'm going to wake up each morning and ask you to reveal your will for me so that I can accomplish your plans. I, I'm going to give up control, God. It's hard for me. Help me. I, I, I like being in control. But, but help me whenever I have the opportunities to give up controlling things, controlling my plans. You know, Help me to make that sacrifice, to trust you more, to let others have their way in things that don't matter. You know, So these are little ways that we can grow in, in making sacrifices, these internal sacrifices. I'll give another example. Maybe let's say you struggle with vanity. You worry a lot about what other people think of you. Always worried about leaving the right impression. So maybe like the next time you're in the, a conversation and you're tempted to start going, replaying that conversation, did I say it the right way? What did they per, was that person thinking of me? You just stop yourself and you say a Hail Mary. You just stop yourself from, you don't allow yourself to think about it, to stay on top of your thoughts. That's a wonderful, oh, the, the Lord is thankful when you give up your, your favorite chocolate, right? Or your favorite coffee. But he really rejoices when you make little sacrifices like that. You know, maybe you're vain and you worry too much about your appearance, you know, your your image, you know, did, did you dress a certain way? Did you post that thing right on social media? And you're just going to tell yourself, you know, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to try to be sloppy, but I'm not going to be so worried about did I do my hair the right way or did I dress just perfectly? If you struggle with that, that's a great way to, to go against your your vanity, it's good to act against that inclination. You have to always appear really good or to have that, you know, the way you present yourself on social media is so important to you. You just die to yourself a little bit there. That's really, really good to practice that kind of interior mortification. Or maybe you struggle with envy. There's someone at the office or in your parish, maybe you're, you're a relative that, that you're very competitive with. You compare yourself with them. You know, God wants you to die to that. You know, just the next time you notice yourself a little anxious, a little competitive with that person, a little worried that they're getting ahead or whatever, immediately just fall on your knees, pray for them. Say, Jesus, I pray that they become more successful than me. I pray that they're noticed more than me. I pray that you bless the work that they do. I pray that they get honored for the work that they do. I pray that they are as holy as you want them to become, Jesus. Pray for that person. You're working against your desire to stand out, to be better than someone else, and that doesn't matter. What really matters is how God views you, how the angels and saints view you. So again, just these are a few examples of, of how we can try to tame the wild beasts within us, these disordered desires. This is what Lent's about. It's not about giving up that, that favorite show or giving up that favorite drink or that favorite food. We do those things because we need to practice self-denial in those small areas so that we can begin to practice more self-denial in these deeper areas, the deeper beasts within us. Now, one last thing here. As I mentioned in the Old Testament, that beasts were often associated with with the idea of persecution. I think about Daniel, Daniel chapter six, Daniel was in exile. He's living in a pagan land. And uh, there were some people in the land of Babylon that didn't like that the Jewish people were worshiping their God. They wanted to cancel the Jewish people from being able to practice their Jewish faith. And so they outlawed prayer to God. <laughs> and Daniel was caught praying. He stood up and continued to pray because that's what a, a, a Jewish good holy man does. And he was caught and he was thrown into the lion's den. So the beasts are attacking him. So remember, so the beasts, they symbolize the, the, they can symbolize the passions, the fallen passions, but they can also symbolize the Gentile pagan nations that were opposed to God's people, that were not living according to God's law. 
and they were persecuting God's people. And that's why in the next chapter of Daniel, Daniel chapter seven, he has a vision of four beasts that symbolize four kingdoms that are oppressing the, the Jewish people in the, in the years to come. So the Babylonians, then the Mede-Persians, and then the Greeks, and then ultimately the Romans. So the beasts symbolize persecution. And I think this year, my friends, when you go to mass this upcoming Sunday and you hear about Jesus with the wild beasts, I want you to think about how he had to face the last of those beasts in Daniel's vision. In Daniel chapter seven, the last and most fierce of all of the beasts that were persecuting God's people represented the empire of Rome. And Jesus was persecuted by Rome. He was thrown into his own lion's den, so to speak. He was put to the cross. I want you to think about that Jesus was with the wild beast right there at the beginning of his, his public ministries, foreshadowing how the great kingdom he's going to offer does involve the cross. It will involve people misunderstanding you, people opposing you, people fighting against you. It may involve people persecuting you. Are you willing to be with Jesus and those wild beasts? Sometimes we just want to, I want to run away from the wild beasts. I don't, I don't, I don't want to face persecution. I mean, who does, right? <laughs> but if Jesus is there, I want to, I want to run to be with Jesus. And I think Jesus is testing all of us Christians right now. Are we willing to be with Jesus even as he faced persecution? Are we willing to be mocked? Are we willing to be misunderstood? Are we willing to be spit at? Are we willing to be crucified? Again, I doubt many of us are going to end up actually getting nails and you know, being nailed to a cross. But spiritually, are we willing to endure that kind of persecution? Jesus is longing for souls that are willing to be with him there. And so let's this Lent maybe think about ways we can practice standing up for our faith in small ways. Because as we know, in our culture today, if, if you dare to say something like abortion is wrong, you're going to be labeled. You could be criticized. If you dare to say marriage is between a man and a woman, and the Christians believe marriage is between a man and a woman, if you dare to say that you believe the Bible, the Bible in Genesis 127 says that God made us male and female, if you dare to say these things in our culture, you may be canceled. You may be ridiculed. You may have to suffer. If you dare to say things like spiritual health is more important than physical health, we care about physical health, we're going to really be you know, careful about that, but we value spiritual goods, spiritual health so much more. If you dare to like say things like that, people may criticize you. They may mock you. They may hurt you with their words, with their actions. If you dare to say something like, you know, hey, you know, we want to support justice and faithfulness, but, you know, and, and respect and dignity of all human persons, but we want to be cautious not to support certain groups and movements that that do that, but they also are intentionally stating that their aim is to go out and destroy the traditional understanding of marriage and family, if you dare question groups like this, you may suffer. So this Lent, let's not run away from Jesus. Jesus was in the desert with the wild beasts. He's wanting us to draw near to him. Let's exercise the virtue of courage. Don't go out and pick fights. But if you have a friend or a family member and a certain topic comes up, Will you dare to speak the truth? Because if we can't speak the truth in small things, if we deny Jesus in small things right now, when the real beasts come, 
Will we be able to be faithful when it will count at a much bigger level and when the price to be faithful may be a lot higher? It may cause a lot more pain. Are we willing to be with Jesus, with the beasts? Are we willing to exercise the muscle, that muscle of courage? My friends, practice courage now in many small ways. Because I sense the culture is going to demand more and more courage of us in the years to come. If we can't be faithful in small things, we're not likely to be faithful in bigger things. Let's be courageous. Let's be with Jesus. Let's be with him and the beast. Amen. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please share it with others to uh, help encourage them to live this wonderful season of Lent. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me at on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can find me on my website at edwardsree.com. That's edwardsri.com. Thanks for listening, and God bless.